You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. But I think it's really important that there are voices from all colors. It's not just from the African-American community. I think for change, for progress, it has to come from everybody. Because, And I was listening to uh, Shannon Sharp talking about this, the uh, Hall of Famer. He said, we can't, you know, you can't say to black America, hey, fix this problem because it wasn't our problem in the first place. But you're asking us to fix this. I think we and collective we have to fix this. I mentioned Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He wrote an op-ed piece for the L.A. Times. And I love what he was saying here. Um, He said, yes, protests are often used as an excuse for some to take advantage, just as when fans celebrating a hometown sports team championship burn cars and destroy storefronts. I don't want to see stores looted or even buildings burn, but African-Americans have been living in a burning building for many years. Choking on the smoke as the flames burn closer and closer, racism in America is like dust in the air. It seems invisible, even if you're choking on it, until you let the sun in. Then you see it everywhere. As long as we keep shining that light, we have a chance of cleaning it wherever it lands. But we have to stay vigilant because it's always still in the air. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ends his column by saying, What I want to see is not a rush to judgment, but a rush to justice. I also mentioned this uh, in the first hour. You know, this show is a place for everyone, or at least we hope it is. It's for support of law enforcement. It's support of George Floyd and that he was murdered. For people who are outraged and are protesting. It's for people who think looting and burning buildings is wrong. And hopefully this audience encompasses people who think this way, that we understand this. We may not agree on everything. You can support protesters and think looting is wrong. People can support the police and think what happened was wrong. And hopefully you felt that this is a place where we do exchange ideas. We do listen. And yes, I know we're five white guys here. We're trying to figure this out. We listen. We learn. We try to grow from it. And it's not easy. And certainly on a day like today, where you're trying to add to this, I don't want to grandstand. I don't want to preach as much as we've just been talking. And hopefully we make you think. Uh, We made you laugh today. Got one more hour to go. But it's not lost on us what happened in Minneapolis or these other cities around the country. And those voices Jalen Brown of the Celtics drove 15 hours to go to Atlanta for a peaceful protest. And there are a lot of peaceful protesting going on. Dale Murphy, the former Atlanta Brave great, tweeted out his son went to a peaceful protest, shot in the eye with a rubber bullet. There are people trying to do the right thing. But we all have to do the right thing. This isn't on the black community to, hey, fix your problem. It is systemic. It's centuries old. The mayor of Atlanta, I thought, had the most powerful message. Her name is uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms. And I'll just play a portion of this, but she held a press conference, and this was moving. When I saw the murder of George Floyd, 
I hurt like a mother would hurt. And on yesterday when I heard there were rumors about violent protests in Atlanta, I did what a mother would do. I called my son and I said, where are you? I said, I cannot protect you and black boys shouldn't be out today. So you're not going to out-concern me and out-care about where we are in America. I wear this each and every day, and I pray over my children each and every day. So what I see happening on the streets of Atlanta is not Atlanta. This is not a protest. This is not in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. This is chaos. A protest has purpose. When Dr. King was assassinated, we didn't do this to our city. So if you love this city, this city that has had a legacy of black mayors and black police chiefs, and people who care about this city, where more than 50% of the business owners in Metro Atlanta are minority business owners. If you care about this city, then go home and pray that somebody like Reverend Beasley will come and talk to you and give you some instructions on what a protest should look like and how you effectuate change in America. That's the mayor of Atlanta. There is an expression that becomes all too familiar when these situations, moments arise. Stick to sports. I hear it all the time. And we try to do our best to do that because I know there are other options if you want to have the heavy news of the day. There are times when this can't be avoided because it is real. We are real. We're affected by these. We have friends who are affected by these. You know, the standard response when athletes or journalists, we stray from the game into real-world events. And I was accused of weaponizing the coronavirus because I brought it up. And as I told you at the time, I'm not weaponizing, I'm personalizing just because of my situation and why it is so severe and, and so important. Anybody I come around, I almost have to do this background check because I can't get this. If I do get it, I can die. I'm not weaponizing it. I'm personalizing it. And that is what's happening now with a lot of these athletes. They're personalizing it. They're not weaponizing it. And I think when we say, oh, athletes stick to sports, well, then that's a selfish thing to do. Remember, Michael Jordan got criticized. Oh, he doesn't want to take a stand. Tiger Woods doesn't want to take a stand. Then they take a stand, and then you say, hey, stick to golf. Stick to, to, stick to basketball. You know, this week, weekend sticking to sports was really impossible to do because you have athletes and former players and coaches, even leagues, publicly addressing, you know, the killing of George Floyd. And look, we can question some people's motives or doubt their sincerity or if you're looting these businessmen, you know, these, I mean, that's just tragic, sorry, sad, horrible. You can protest. But we do have to do better. We do. 
And I love the fact these athletes are on the front lines. More should be on the front lines and not just African-American. You know, we don't have games now, but men and women who compete at the highest level send a loud message this weekend. And what happens is we move on so quickly in society. We'll move on from this. We moved on from, you know, these killings before. Where are we going to be in a month, six months, a year with this topic? That's what I want to know. What do we do? How do we do it? How do we remind? How do we get better? All of these things. And if you watch the show, you know that I love getting patches from firemen or policemen around the country. Because I know all of the great things you do. And because you have a bad police officer in Minneapolis doesn't mean that the police officer in Flint, Michigan is a bad person. We have bad people in all walks of life. And unfortunately, you had a bad police officer there right in front of us on video. Spending almost nine minutes with his knee on George Floyd's neck. And I watched it once. I made sure my kids watched it. When you hear him cry, he's dying. Hopefully we don't forget that sound because it may prevent somebody from going through that again. But don't forget George Floyd because we do move on at warp speed. Once we figured out Corona, once sports are back, we'll move on. Move on, though, and always remember. Keep an eye on the rearview mirror. Always. Have to. Because we're not getting any better. We're no different than the 60s. And I was really young at that time. I just remember the nightly news. Cities were on fire, and I couldn't believe that was the United States. I was 12 years old, 11 years old. Couldn't understand it. Imagine being 11 years old now, 12 years old now, trying to understand it. Because you can't. Take a break. We'll come back, get some phone calls. I appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you and with you. Our phone uh, lines are open, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show, and you can listen. We're on 362 radio affiliates around the country. Back after this in The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for The Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. June has arrived, and that means college athletes are once again allowed to come back to campus and work out. That doesn't mean all schools, all conferences are going to be opening for business just yet. There are still significant hurdles ahead for college football to start the season this fall, but getting players in the building gives them a chance, and the debate about the return of college sports has factors that are far different than the NFL. you got players who are younger for one, and then uh, that means less risk, or it should, also reminded that they're not paid employees. Can you have student-athletes on campus if you don't have students on campus? And the answer, starting today, will be yes in a lot of these places here. Hopefully the extra time on campus 
won't be just about training, also figuring out how to keep players and staff safe, creating the best systems that they can just to minimize the risk. And that gives them the best chance for return in the fall that if that works for everybody. I saw what the NHL was doing. They plan on testing players daily should the games eventually begin. So the NHL is inching closer to having hockey. But um, the NHL's deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, said yesterday that the testing will be, each test is going to be $125, and the league expects it will need twenty five to 30,000 tests to complete the current season, which is going to be just under $4 million. But they're going to be testing these players, and it's not sure if you come in and they take your temperature just to see if you have a temperature. And there might be varying stages of testing. If there's no temperature, do they test you, fully test you with the swab? If you have a temperature, then what happens? So I, I think it's they're, they're trying to figure this out once they get all the players together. If somebody does test positive, what happens to them? And you're seeing this with European soccer where they're trying to do this and get everybody back. And I think the premiership has done a pretty good job in maybe securing these players uh, for their, their safety of coming back, the amount of testing that's going to be in play. I was told a couple of weeks ago by part of the medical community with the NFL, they were looking at 60,000 tests to get ready for the start of the NFL season. But you have more players, but that's – you know, probably close to $10 million that you're going to be spending on just testing right now if each test is $125. Yeah, McLovin. That seems actually, when you look at it, kind of a small price yeah. overall. Yeah. Just having the test available, because I was told at the time, this person in the medical community said, we don't want to appear numb to what's going on. Hey, let's, uh, we need our test. But at the time, was everybody else getting a test if they needed to get a test? We have a lot of we have we have some time here with the NFL. They have time to do that. College, it's trickier because you're on campus, and it, and it's different because of the student the student athlete. Can players go on campus? Will students be able to go on campus? Are we going to have an abbreviated fall semester, and then you'll have football on campus where players are going to be there? Therefore, you can test everybody after Thanksgiving. You know, would the season start? A lot of issues to work through, but you're starting to see plans with every league except for Major League Baseball. I hope they figure it out. I hope they figure it out soon. And having, having covered these work stoppages before, all of the ancillary details are usually figured out, signed off on. It's just a couple of details that need to be fixed and maybe some common ground here. How many games and how much are you going to get paid? I have a hard time believing that there are owners, plural, who don't want this Major League Baseball season to resume. Maybe the Oakland A's, they're in financial straits, but you might think they want it to come back because they are in financial straits. But that, that was the word that was put out there. And I was even told that privately, that there are some owners, plural, who would rather scrap the season than come back and pay this money pay this, these salaries to these players. You have so much local revenue, though, with these TV deals. And then are you going to get the postseason? The biggest, I think the biggest fear is if we don't get a postseason, the amount of money the owners lose from the postseason 
is enormous. And that's what they don't want. They don't want to pay the players. And then you get to the postseason, and then the owners don't get paid. And with no fans there, you know, it could be catastrophic. A couple of phone calls. We'll give you our best of the weekend. Uh, Justin in Indiana joins us. Hi, Justin. What do you have for me today? Hi, guys. 62325. All right. So my best of the weekend. Uh, my wife and I found out that we are going to be having a boy in October. Awesome. So we're very excited. I'm trying to convince her right now to let us name our son uh, Dan. Ooh. But uh, I don't think that's going over so hot right now. Well, if you need me to talk to her, Justin, I'd be more than happy to. Hey, I'd appreciate that. I might actually take you up on that. Uh, what's what's I, I the last name? Wanted, Justin, what's the last name? Uh, Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. Perry. Okay. Danny Perry. Hey, there we go. All right. All right. Well, I'll help you if you need need help there, Justin. What else is on your mind? Hey, uh, that's it. I just uh, oh, good. I, that's the only uh, good news I had. I didn't have a worse because uh, after finding that out, we were both in a pretty good mood all weekend long. Awesome, Justin. Well, congratulations. Good luck with that. Uh, Dennis in Connecticut. Hi, Dennis. What do you have for me? Good morning, Dan, and uh, all the Danettes. My best of the weekend was the Dropkick Murphys concert in a empty Fenway Park along with Bruce Springsteen, where all the proceeds went to three different charities. Yep, I listened to a good portion of that. Thank you, Dennis. I've never seen Dropkick Murphys in person, but it feels like that's gonna, that's a great experience. I don't think you could have a bad time at a Dropkick Murphys concert. Seton, have you seen Dropkick Murphys? Oh, yeah, probably a dozen times. Oh, okay. Yeah, a bunch of they're, – they're, they're great. They're phenomenal live. It sounded – it was a good sound. And then you put Bruce in there, but they're at Fenway and uh, an empty Fenway. So it's pretty cool. Jeff in Detroit. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. What do you have? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the stand that you're taking and acting like it's there. It's not there. Um, I appreciate the way that you covered it, man, for real, because it's not a black or white problem. It's a humanitarian problem. My best of the weekend is going to be me getting my 75 Granville started and out in some sun, man. Oh, my goodness. And I've got another bester. I'm not too cool with tweeting and stuff. I'm more of a Facebook guy. You guys have um, Andrea, Seth, Chris and Laura that do a great job on chat row with the DP show, man. They bring up great content, let you know who's going to be on the show. I really love it, man. They, they do a good job. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate that. So chat row is, uh, we have some stars on chat row, Seton. I guess so. Breakout stars, <laughs> breakout stars. <laughs> Mario has been walking through here. Uh, cause he, he knows chat row doesn't like him and he's basically saying, bring it on. I couldn't care less about chat row. I said, all right, tough guy. All right, tough guy. He's the one that came up with chat row. And I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best. I know it's just so good. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Best of the weekend. Todd, I'll start with you. My best of the weekend may be a little lame, but late Saturday night I'm flipping through the channels and I stopped on Kelly LeBrock from 1984's The Woman in Red, which I had seen before, but I found myself uh, watching most of that anyway. And then Bester, following that movie, Femme Fatale, 2002 with Rebecca Romaine, went on the screen like at 2 in the morning, and that mm. was, uh, that's how late Saturday night went. Hmm. Huh? Uh, McLovin? 
Okay, as you may or may not know, I'm not a NASCAR expert, but I've noticed a trend. Why is Chase Elliott the story every single... (laughs) Who is Chase Elliott? Does he have the fastest car in the history of the planet? He wins every (laughs) stage and then gets in a crash the last second or does something stupid. It's It's like... Dale Earnhardt, it's unbelievable. He He's, has some tough luck, but he did win the previous week. He did, yeah. Then he got, I guess he got another near miss this week. Yeah. And then prior to that had a near miss as well. And he's got a great NASCAR name. We've done that part. Chase Elliott, yeah. that's a good good one. Yeah. Now, is that is that Bill Elliott's son, Paulie? Yeah, he's from Dawsonville. He's 24 years old. William Clyde Elliott II. Okay. Oh, okay. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville was one of my favorite nicknames. Uh, Seton O'Connor bestest. All right, so I'm late on these. I've been giving you updates on uh, how we're making our way through the Mission Impossible series mm. <laughs> with Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh, God. So we just watched the like fifth one, I think. It's called like Rogue Nation thing. One, you have to watch, before you watch this movie, all right, you only watch the first five minutes of it. That's all you have to see, right? Bef- be- before you do that, go watch the making of it. All right, because there's this scene, it opens with this scene of Tom Cruise, who famously does all of his own stunts yeah. for this. And he, uh, <laughs> he, there's this scene where he's hanging out on the side of an airplane. Yep. That's unbelievable. You have to watch the making of the stunts that he's doing. It's seriously, it's, it blew my mind. Here's the concern I have. Is the making of the movie better than the movie? Sometimes this not in this case, the making of the movie is fascinating. But I think if you watch that first and then you watch the movie and in the back of your mind, all I I kept saying out loud, he really did that. He's really doing that. He really did that. It's crazy. And he broke his ankle jumping from one building to another. He did that stunt and then broke his ankle. Yeah, Paul. I don't mind the Mission Impossible movies. They're fun. They're they're easy on the head, if you know what I mean. Not a lot of thought involved. But when Tom Cruise is in a dangerous situation, I never think he's going to die. Like in the first 18 minutes of the movie, I'm like, you know, Tom, I think he's going to make it out of this one. You know, it'd be very bad for the whole franchise if he kicked. And like he's got another hour and a half. At least. Yeah. To live. I don't know why I've never been really entertained by Mission Impossible. I never watched them before ever. But my son just, he really wanted to see them. He likes like action movies and spies and stuff like that. So we've dialed that one up and it was, uh, some are better than others. Uh, but this last one was awesome. Yeah, Paul. I actually have a question for Seton. The, Seton teased on Friday that he and his son were going to watch Dumb and Dumber this weekend. I think your son's 10 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That must have been a great moment of his life. It was. I We could probably say that he was one person on Friday and a new person Saturday. <laughs> because, boy, did he. He has learned the, um, you know how we always say that fart equals funny? Yeah. Uh, in bo- 10-year-old boy terms, he is just running with that. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, he re- he said Dumb and Dumber was just as stupid as Monty Python's Holy Grail, but funnier. I think Dumb and Dumber is a great movie. It's a great movie. It, and, and, you know, I expect Jim Carrey to be funny, but he's even greater than what you think. Jeff Daniels is the one who makes that movie. I can't believe Jeff Daniels read that script and was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'll do that. And then I see Jeff Daniels on Broadway to kill a mockingbird. And you're going, yeah, he was in Dumb and Dumber. So good. It's, it's a wonderful, an absolutely wonderful cinematic experience. Lauren Holly, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Paulie Best, this is uh, This weekend I played a lot of wiffle ball with the kids in the backyard. We mm-hmm. played before, but we played a lot. We had the tournament. We had rules. 
Um, I guess the rule is for kids, like you either can tag them with the ball or if you smoke them with the ball as they're going from base to base, that counts as an out. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I didn't know that wiffle ball was invented uh, nearby. A father in 1953, his son was didn't was kind of scared of the real baseball invented a plastic baseball with holes and a, a plastic bat and it became the wiffle ball company and the wiffle ball company is based in Connecticut. They haven't changed their products since basically 1950s. If you go on their website, all there is to buy is the bat and the ball. There's no like uh, special additions. There's no mix of colors. It's that, you know, kind of yellow ma- manila color bat yeah. and the ball. That's it. That's all they have for sale. They haven't changed. Like, what do they do at the meetings at the Wiffle Ball Company? Like on money. All right, what are we doing this week? When they have when they have a research and development? Yeah, the R&D guys. Yeah. R&D guys are here. We're not ready to present anything yet, boss. Give us another decade. I, I'm fascinated by the Wiffle Ball Company. Wait, there is no options when it comes to bats or balls? No, there is a junior set and a like a full-size set. That's it. But they invented that in the 70s. So since 1970, the R&D department has given you nothing. But they provide the same exact product every year. They haven't gone away from the original. There's one wiffle ball. There's not like a, a big version. There's not a version with more holes. There's not like a, you know, whatever. That's it. Yes, yeah, Todd. And some people in leagues take great pride in what they can do. Like the pitchers, you'll see on social media, some of the things they can make that ball do is wild. I watched a show over the weekend. I'm embarrassed to admit that I watched it, but I needed something that was light. I watched Outer Banks. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. They got you. Yeah, they did. I. It, it's just, it's like the OC or some of those uh, shows. It's just eye candy. Is it a real show or is it like The Hills, those fake? It's The Hills. Oh, The Hills on MTV? Well, no, no. It's, it's, or it's, is it a real scripted show? I mean. It's a scripted. No, it's not a reality show. Oh, okay. No, no, no. But it's just eye candy. That's all it is. It's just, uh you know, guys with their shirts off and they're they're hunting for uh, sunken treasure. Like, you know. Is this a show made for grown men? Probably not. My, <laughs> Probably. My wife walked in on me watching the show. And That's she goes, not good. No, she's. She goes, what is that? And I said, it, so they have this guy John B, who's you know handsome guy. He's got his shirt off, and so my wife walks in as John B was getting out of the water. She goes, what are you watching? I said, outer outer banks. It's in the category of teen TV shows. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> the uh, so I'm looking at the I don't know like this little landing page for mm-hmm. him. It says mm-hmm. on an island of have and have nots. Yeah. Teen John B enlists his three best friends to hunt for a legendary treasure linked to his father's disappearance. Yep. Yep. <laughs> hey, you clicked play. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> and so did a lot of other people. <laughs> yes, McLovin. I can't believe you beat me to Outer Banks. That's been on my to-do list. If there's a locker in it, I'm watching it. I don't care. High school TV is awesome. Yes, Paul. Does anybody wear a shirt in the show? Are they? Is it shirt? They free? do, but not long. Is it a lot of longing looks without like any dialogue? Oh no, there's dialogue. Oh, okay. It's a lot of pushing and shoving, and <laughs> there's violence and. Hey. So you watched one episode, and then you moved on and watched something real. I right? watched all ten. Oh, I watched all come ten on, episodes of Outer Banks. <laughs> you got to clear this stuff with me before you go on air. I know. I've been watching a lot of other things. I wish it was Outer Banks B A N X. That would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> Outer Banks. Yeah. Starring Chase Stokes. Yeah. Every John. character in the show is named Chase. Chase like this Stokes. John B is the star of this. <laughs> He's easy on the eyes. Brad Pennington. Yeah. And Madison. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, there's some real villains in there. But uh, then I started watching Hollywood. The uh, Oh, yeah, that looks great, too. And Jim Parsons is in that. So I, I just started that last night. I had, to, I had to man up a little bit there from Outer Banks to Hollywood. Uh, Jay in Wisconsin joins us. Hi, Jay. What do you have for me today? How you doing, Dan? Good, sir. Uh, 5'11", 200 pounds. Uh, my best is I got to take a golf trip uh, this weekend, our first one of the year. And uh, I have a bester. Wait, uh, where did you go? Big, Where'd you go? Uh, Sand Valley Resort in Wisconsin. Uh, it's about three years old. Oh, okay. Um, and my bester is my dad hit his first career hole-in-one on Saturday. Nice. Nice. Did he buy for everybody? Of course he did. He spent a little too much in the pro shop afterwards as well from excitement. All right. Well, thank you, Jay. You can buy insurance. If you have a hole-in-one, you, you buy insurance. And then that way you don't get stuck with a you know $1,000 bar bill. Because the, the old golf etiquette is when you walk into the 19th hole at whatever course you're at, you buy for the room, right? Yeah. yeah. And that could be it. Well, everybody finds out about it okay. because you want to make sure you get that bar bill up. And that's where guys, you know, guys are at home and they want to come in so they can get on the uh, bar tab there if you have a hole-in-one. Never had one. And I haven't been around somebody who's had one either. Yeah, Paul. Would you rather have a hole-in-one or a two on a par five? A hole-in-one. Really? I thought two on a par five was it's rare. impossible. Yeah. I think it, that's the albatross. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I like how you know the albatross. I knew the albatross. Did you? I know golf. I used to caddy. I'm a terrible golfer, but I, I, I'm a All big fan. All of these jobs that you had. 13 years old, Olympia Fields Country Club. I played Olympia Fields. It's a nice course. Yes. Didn't Jim Furyk win the PGA? There was a U.S. Open there? There was a U.S. Open there maybe in 78 or 70-ish, late 70s. No, this would have been after that. Yeah. I thought, I thought Jim Furyk won at Olympia Fields for some reason. Who's had more jobs between you and Seton? More or more variety? Because they're probably both. But Well, Seton's had... I've had a couple. Yeah. I mean, you worked at the airport with baggage. I did. You were a postman. I was. Delivered flowers? Yep. <laughs> As a camp counselor. Camp uh, counselor? As a security guard. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've worked at a pharmacy. Um, delivered papers. I don't know. I... Probably keep going. It's pretty good. Paulie, you've you've been a bouncer, bartender, a trainer, DJ at a country western nightclub in New York City. That's that's a good one. Um Caddy for one summer. What was it? Diamonds and Denim and Diamonds. Denim and Diamonds. in Lexington. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a good place. It was a fun place. Did you have to get dressed up too? Oh yeah, I had to. I told you this before. Uh they didn't have enough lockers for the new guys. You, they, you, they gave you a hat, and they gave you like a denim shirt, and they hoped that you had your own cowboy boots. But you could leave your denim shirt that said Denim and Diamonds on it and your cowboy hat in your locker. I was a new guy. I didn't have a locker. And the, and the manager, who I didn't know was messing with me, I could have just put it to the side. He goes, no, you're going to have to wear it in. There's, we don't have enough room in here. So imagine me on the uh, Crosstown subway in New York City <laughs> with jeans, boots, a denim shirt with Denim and Diamonds on it, and carrying my hat under my arm. As if that's less conspicuous. You'd be, you're like Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. That movie with uh, John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. Softer version. Uh, Mike in Indiana. Hi, Mike. What do you have for me today? 
Hey, Dan, you guys are doing great. Um, I Best of the weekend, I ended up watching Sunderland Till I Die, uh, listening to your guys' conversation last week. And I do have a, which was excellent, uh, but I do have a question. What professional sports league in the United States might be best set for a relegation style or what would, which group would benefit most um, from a relegation style? Well, it, it's, it's bad for business. You know, that are you going to have a team that you can bring up? You know, can you have a triple A franchise that's able to come up and then all of a sudden you're playing games in Nashville or Buffalo or Louisville? Um, when you're watching soccer, when it is that last day and somebody is staying up and somebody's going down and the financial impact on it, Sunderland Till I Die is it is soccer documentary, but. It's really fascinating of the passion this city has. Sunderland, a shipbuilding, or it used to be a shipbuilding city. The passion, the importance of that soccer franchise to that city cannot be overstated. Yes, Eden. There's a a match from a few years back. I want to say it's the first time Manchester City won the Premier League. And it's the last game of the season. It's got to be one of the best games of all time. They're, they have to score like two goals or something like that in order to win the league. And they're going against Manchester United. They're basically like neck and neck for the lead. And the team that Manchester City is playing has to score a certain amount of goals to avoid relegation. So they're both, you know, one's at the top and one's at the bottom. But how often do you get that kind of, you know, drama where even the team that's you know, they're fighting just to stay in the league. Yeah. It, it was unbelievable. And the way that it plays out, it will, was unbelievable because it went right down to the end. And that might be, now I'm not a historian, but it, it, that's one of the great days, the season ending. You know, you have relegation day, but you also, you know, winning a title. I mean, that was pretty incredible. But you got soccer coming back. Liverpool's winning the title. But then the relegation is the interesting part of this uh, Premier League. Coming back. All right, uh, we'll come back. Phone calls, last call for phone calls, what we learn, what's in store uh, this day in sports history. Uh, during the uh, look-in, during the commercial break, Todd will explain his scoreboard. The numbers are 79 and 31. Correct. Yeah, on this day. Todd put in a lot of time and effort, and uh, he'll explain those numbers during the uh, commercial break. We'll take a break. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. We have a sound idea. I don't know if it's a sound idea, but we have a sound idea. What if networks gave you the option with crowd noise for the NFL season, no fans in the stands, Monday Night Football ESPN is a game with crowd noise, and then ESPN2 has the game with no artificial noise whatsoever. You get all the language, salty language, that's allowed. NBC with NBCSN could do the same thing. Fox, Fox Sports 1, CBS with CBS Sports Network. Just a possibility there. Uh, This day in sports history, Paulie, what do you have for me? Uh, let's see, Dan. There's a few. Uh, 1925, Lou Gehrig began a streak of playing 2,130 consecutive baseball games. It ended on May 2nd, 1939. 1938, baseball helmets were worn, worn for the first time. 1938, which always brings up the 
meetings in the 30s, and they said they weren't ready for them yet. Uh, 1975, Nolan Ryan pitches fourth career no-hitter in his 100th career victory. And that is it. Hmm. Yeah, you, you know what's amazing? One year, Lou Gehrig drove in, I think, 171 runs. And Babe Ruth batted in front of him, and I think Babe may have had 140 or 150 RBIs. Could you imagine you had 171 RBIs? I think that's the number. Yeah, Paul. This, I can't believe this is real. In 1931, Lou Gehrig hit uh, 341, 46 homers, 185 runs batted in. 185. But what did Babe Ruth knock in? Oh, a paltry one seven. Now, hold on one second. Because I thought it was like 171 for uh, Lou Gehrig one year, and Babe knocked in like 150. Yeah, Babe had uh, uh, 46 homers and 162 ribbies oh and hit 373. <laughs> but for some reason, Babe batted six in the lineup that year. Oh, he did? That's what it says. I don't know if that's... Because uh, he, you would wear where you batted in the lineup, so Babe batted third. He wore number three. Gehrig wore number four. I got to check that out. This could be a misrepresentation. And, and Gehrig, uh, he uh, went to Columbia... He played football. I think he played well, he played baseball and football. Not considered a good fielder, by the way. Just they used to put the guy who wasn't a very good fielder. They they put the slugger at first base. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> the Iron Man. I think he played like thirteen or fourteen consecutive years where he didn't miss a game. Yeah, Paul. One more sports history for the LA fans: the LA Kings beat the Chicago Blackhawks. 2014 to advance to the Stanley Cup final. It was the first time in NHL history that a team won a series in Game 7 on the road for the third consecutive series. That was a fun team. I was so nervous because I had picked the Kings to start prior to the start of the postseason. I said the King. We, you know what? We had um, Pierre Maguire on. Now Michael's con- called in a few times. And we started, I said the Kings are going to win the Cup. And I remember Pierre Maguire, we'd have him on during the playoffs there. And I was like, I, I thought my kid was playing for the, the Kings. Who was the um, the goalie from uh, Milford, Connecticut? He came in studio. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Quick? Yes. What? Andrew. Well done. Good poll. Nice poll. Nice poll. Nice poll. <laughs> By the way, is that right? Has anyone double-checked that? No, I think that's it. <laughs> now we're going good it. for me. Yeah. Uh, Dave in North Carolina. Hi, Dave. What do you have for me? Hey, good morning. Uh, a couple things real quick. Best of the weekend is BK winning Bristol. He put himself in position to do so. Worst is by far the riots. And I'm calling about uh, the Outer Banks. After five minutes watching it with my wife, I told her I can't watch it anymore. It is so inaccurate. The Outer Banks is really from Corolla down to Ocracoke and all points in between. But otherwise, it's, it's not south of Wilmington where that is is really located so so the geography bothers you more than the content oh. dave <laughs> come on it, well that not to mention it's cheesy i mean come on are those really juniors in high school do they really look like well this? the guy who plays john b is 27 in real life he plays a 16 year old hey i bought it i was good with it thank you dave Hey, you know what? Sometimes you have to watch those shows just to appreciate the good ones. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Free your mind. The rest will follow, Seton. You know? Outer Banks.
you know, sometimes you got to listen to Britney Spears just to have somebody mm. like Adele stand out even more so. Mm. Yes, McLovin. That's a huge thing on Twitter, how Outer Banks screwed up the geography. Apparently they made up town names and they had them all in the wrong place. He's totally on to something. Not that we would know. I'm not going to nitpick. All right. It was just beautiful people in a beautiful place. Yeah, see. But, uh, and this is no offense to our California no, or audience <laughs> where we, I know we do well, but have you ever talked to somebody from California about the geography of the East Coast? No. They have no idea where anything is. You could be sitting in New York and they'll be like, is Vermont north of here or south? They have no idea where anything is. That's Seton O'Connor. <laughs> Seton O'Connor. My buddy Tommy, he moved, uh, he used to live in Connecticut, but he was born and raised in California. Yeah. And he would be like, so what? Where do we get to Florida from here? And I'm like, dude, you can't, you can't be serious. <laughs> buddy, you have to know a little. I know where Oregon is. <laughs> you got to know that, you know, North Carolina is above South Carolina. Come on. Uh, uh, Babe Ruth batted sixth in the lineup, only two games as in, in his entire career. Those were the games I was focusing okay. on. Okay. Right. Fair game. enough. So, uh, today was one of the days he batted in the sixth okay. spot. Uh, Nick in South Carolina. Hi, Nick. DV, hey, DV, Danant, especially Sequin back there. First off, uh, first time, long time, 5'6 on, on a good day. 190 something, but who's counting? Uh, first, I've been dealing with some non-COVID health issues during lockdown while I'm working with home. So thanks to you guys for being on YouTube and helping me keep sane. It's been a big help. Um, best of the weekend, watching My Lottery Dream Home on HTV, HGTV, and saw an episode that was set in Milford. I see why you guys do the show there now. The bester is obviously Dan watching Outer Banks, filmed here in Charleston to help out Dave in North Carolina. Also, take a drink every time somebody says, John B. <laughs> All right, thank you, Nick. Yeah. it's. I think it's the, the number one or two most watched show on Netflix right now. <laughs> hey, don't don't get left in the dust here, guys. Come on. Anybody going to watch Outer Banks? After that, did, you, uh, did you make a TikTok video for yourself? I did. I, I did. My, my uh, daughter and I made a TikTok video. <laughs> did you, did you uh, update your TikTok it, to it, say it, that you had watched yeah, Outer it, Banks? It included a cat. We had a cat video in there. <laughs> what did I learn today, Todd? McLovin wants to know why field goal percentage isn't a bigger deal in the NBA. Bradley Beal's meaningless 30 points per game. No matter what happens, you want to make sure your loved ones are taken care of. That's why LegalZoom has made it easy to set up the right estate plan. Without leaving your home, take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on the program.